welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at Harbour City DBN on social media. We are currently going through the book of Galatians and we hope you enjoy this message. Last week, uh, we finished in Galatians 2. If you, if you were here, um, Peter Watts uh, was a guest speaker. Uh, he came and uh, talked on remembering the poor. And I listened to it during the week. I unfortunately wasn't here last week. And uh, um, I hope it was a good week for everyone who was here. Um, I thought Peter did exceptionally well. Um, Peter's got a way of being challenging and gracious at the same time. Um, I don't know how he does that. I think it's his like spiritual gift. Um, he was my pastor for, for five years, and I, I always, was always amazed by Peter because you could have like intense conversations with him, and you could be like, wow, that was so intense, and he was so nice about it. Like, uh, so that's Peter. Um, but this week we jump into chapter three, and um, Galatians has been an interesting book. I hope it's been helpful so far. Uh, a book on the grace of God and the gospel. Um, and uh, so now we jump into quite an interesting passage. I, I don't know about you, it's, this passage has always been one of my favorite to quote, because I mean, oh, you foolish Galatians, like what a way to start a chapter. Uh, who has bewitched you? Like the words are so strong. Um, Paul is saying, like, who has cast a spell on you? Like, what has happened to you, you fools? Like, what has gone on? So the, the chapter starts with a bang. But what I want to talk about this uh, evening, afternoon, is about spiritual vitality. And, uh, and look at that. So um, vitality, interesting word. Uh, it's been stolen by discovery. So whenever we think about vitality, we think about going to gym for cheap if uh, you're on discovery, otherwise unlucky. I'm not on discovery, so it's no advert. But uh, spiritual vitality, it's that sense of spiritual life, a sense of spiritual purpose, of love, a sense of God at work in your life, um, a sense that you can face the day, the week, the struggles, the challenges. I, I think a, a sense of peace, a sense of God's favor or hand on your life, uh, spiritual vitality. It's something that I think probably all of us want. Um, if you have been in the faith for, for any period of time, you'd probably know that your spiritual life, much like life in general, goes through some ups and downs. Uh, some days you wake up feeling amazing, uh, and some days you wake up not wanting to roll out of bed. Um, but our spiritual life also goes through some ups and downs where I, I think sometimes we feel a real sense of God's hand on our lives. So a real sense of, of spiritual purpose and meaning and vitality, a sense of God's presence, uh, uh, the desire or the urge to meet with God, to pray, um, a sense of gratitude, or we could go on and, and use all the kind of different descriptive words that we would kind of use when we think about spiritual life. Um, and so I want to talk about spiritual vitality and how we get vitality, how we um, walk 
in a spiritually vital, vital is not the right word. What is the singular or whatever vitality? And so I think probably most of us would want this. Um, and, and maybe if you are here and you're going through, I think probably like a lot of us gone through COVID, difficult period of life um, for, for a lot of us, um, most of us would probably say, yo, I could deal, I could do with like an injection of vitality, with a, a, a lifting of my spirits, with a, a new renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense of spiritual energy. Um, and my hope is that as we look at this, we will kind of have a little bit of an idea of how God brings about some spiritual vitality from this passage. Um, so Galatians 3 is a, is a really interesting uh, passage, like I said. And it starts off with verse one, which says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And Paul starts off by calling the Galatians people foolish. If you read all the commentaries, it's quite a strong rebuke. And basically he's saying, hey guys, what happened? You were doing so well, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, no good reason at all, it's like you've gone in the total wrong direction. Um, and he says, who has bewitched you? And this is where, if you followed the Galatians uh, um, series so far, where the gospel event comes in to play again. He says, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. So what Paul is saying here is like, I came, I presented you the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And when I presented you the gospel, there was a sense of life. There was a sense of spiritual vitality. As you gave your, your lives to Jesus, as you believed in him, as you trusted in him, uh, it talks about God's spirit was poured out on the community. God was at work in the community. There was, a, there was miracles he's talking about. There was a sense of spiritual life. I presented you the gospel and with the gospel came life. And then something happened. What happened is a group of people came in and started saying to them, and this can often happen, I don't know if uh, you've ever experienced this, but this group of people, they were called the Judaizers, they came into the church and they were like, hey, God is clearly at work, but you know what, you're missing something. You're missing something, it's called circumcision. Yeah, difficult topic in church, hello. But uh, it's called circumcision. You all need to get circumcised if you want to be true believers. And they were like, ah, okay. And they started going down this route of circumcision. Paul comes back and he is angry because he's like, you believe by faith. You trusted in the gospel. Like why have you allowed someone to come in and all of a sudden tell you that now there are a whole bunch of legal things that you need to do to be a person who is accepted by God? Why have you allowed yourself to be led astray? Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like this has happened in my life. You've come to faith. You've believed in Christ. The message of the gospel is 
being proclaimed. Maybe some of us would remember like the early days of our faith where we trusted in God and there was a sense of life. There was a sense of energy. There was a sense of purpose, of lightness, of peace as we trusted that God has forgiven us our sins. And then someone comes along and says, hey, Jamie, you're doing such a good job there. But you know what? You should be reading your Bible more. And you're like, oh, chips, not reading it enough. Okay, you know, you know I've got to go through a Bible reading plan. Like Robert Murray McShane, read the Bible in a year plus some. Um, and, and so then you start reading that. And, and uh, if you were like me, this was some of my story. And, and then I start reading that. I'm like, yo, I'm not even getting time to pray. I'm just like reading so much, but this is what I should do. And then someone says, oh, you know what, Jamie? You should come to our prayer meeting and to this and to that. And, and then you're like, okay, I'll do that. And then you just start adding all these things that you need to do onto your faith. And what started as a sense of life, the sense of, God, I trust in you. I'm so grateful for your work. I'm so grateful for what you've done. All of a sudden, now your eyes have gone off Jesus and you're doing a whole bunch of things that you think you need to do. Um, And so... You're trying to get your life right. You're trying to read the scriptures. You're trying to pray a certain amount of time a day. You're trying to make all the right meetings. You're trying to give the right amount to the church. You're adding all of these kind of things and your focus goes off trusting Jesus for your salvation and it goes on to measuring how good you are based on the activity that you're doing. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably at some point in that journey, watch your spiritual vitality start draining out your body. Maybe that's not the right illustration, but uh, if you get what I mean, you probably watch that sense of life, that sense of God's presence on your life begin to wane as your focus goes onto all this activity that you feel like you need to do to be the perfect Christian, to be the perfect believer, to be a person who is accepted by God, a person who has God's favor. Galatians 3 is a radical rebuke to a Galatian church for getting distracted by the activities of the law rather than by faith in Christ. One of the things that I I find so challenging about Galatians 3 is as, as you jump down the passage all the way into verse 10, it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Um, And it's like what happens is we give our life of faith, of trusting Christ into something that is cursed. Um, a, A set of endless toil trying to earn favor with God, which is impossible to do. We give up God's grace We give up trusting God for reliance in our own activity. Now, I think this is important for us because 
I think often what happens in, in Christianity is, uh, is we go through this journey and we go through this journey where we trust in God by faith. We believe in grace. We receive God's forgiveness just based on believing. But then we, we give over our faith to a sense of the best word I can use, and I, forgive me for using the wrong word here, but is the word is like karma. It's like this kind of idea of like we get what we give. Um, and so we give up this life of faith where what we have received has completely come from God to all of a sudden what we believe is God is gonna bless me if I do this, if I do that. My spiritual life is gonna be a direct reflection of my activity. What I give will be what I receive from God. We tr- we what we do is we hand over grace for a sense of do this, get that, do this, get that. God, if, if I do this, will you heal me? God, if I do this, will you fix my marriage? God, if I do this, will you give me a sense of life? God, if I do this, will you eliminate my anxiety that I'm so struggling with. God, if, if, if I just give this amount of money, will you help my business to succeed? God, if I just go to church enough, will you help me to get that job that I have been looking and hoping for? The sense of like, if I do this, will I get that? If I give this, will I get something in return? Our faith goes, moves from grace, moves from this idea that we receive from God by his grace into a space where all of our trust is based on our activity. And the problem is, the problem that Paul so highlights is that that is, to use a strong word, cursed. That no one earns God's favor by their works. No one earns God's favor by their activity. No one earns God's blessing by what they do. We earn it rather by what Christ has done, that Jesus is the one who has saved uh, us through his death and resurrection. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. He was the one that we showed, that I proclaimed to you, that Paul is saying that I proclaimed to you his death and resurrection. You believed in that. Why are you giving that up for all this activity? Why are you moving your trust, your faith from Christ into your own personal activity? Paul is calling them back to faith. He's calling them back to faith. Now, a little bit of a vulnerable story, um, but um, so... I, I guess I struggle with this more than my wife. My wife uh, uh, st- 
I think, has faith really easily. So if I say to my wife, I love you, I think she just believes it and doesn't question that all. If uh, my wife says to me, I love you, I'm like, why? This, oh, but I've put on weight since I got married. Oh, I need to go on a diet. Like everything goes through my head when uh, maybe I just don't have the self-confidence that my wife does, well, I definitely don't. But, um, but you know, Lisa can say, Jamie, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, but this, but that, but, you know, okay, let me do this and do that. And maybe after I've done some things, then when you say it, I will believe it. Um, and I don't know if any of you have been in a relationship where you feel like that at some times, where you feel like I'm only going to be able to receive um, my wife's love, the fact, or believe her words once I feel like I've earned them. Um, and that is me. I struggle with that. You know what the worst thing is? Is Lisa gets frustrated by it. Like if I try and earn it, and she's like, Can't, won't you just believe that I love you? I love you. I just, you know, like it's not on, I love you because I love you. I don't love you because you've tried to do this, that, that, and that, and that, and, and whatever. And the more, if I try and earn it, the more frustrated she will get. Because it's like, are you insulting me? Um, and I, sometimes that's how our relationship is with God. Is that what we turn our faith into is we turn it into all this activity that we think, God, I will only believe that your hand can be on my life. I'll only believe that you can genuinely change me. I'll only believe that you will bless me. I'll only believe that your favor on me is real. I'll only believe that you genuinely love me when I feel like I've earned it. But the gospel message is a message of faith. It's a message that we receive God's love, we receive his favor, we receive his spirit, we receive his life into our lives, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done. We receive it by faith, by trusting, not by earning. Uh, some may say this, Jamie, if you know what I've done, you would not say that uh, God's, gr God's love could be received by grace. But I, I think what the gospel message tells us is if you knew what Christ has done, you would not say that, the, that God's love could be earned any other way but by God's grace. God saves us, blesses us, gives us his spirit by faith. And this comes back to spiritual vitality. There is a temptation often for us to think that we receive God's spirit through our activity. There is a temptation to think that a spiritually vital life comes through the accumulation of a whole bunch of spiritual activity. There is a temptation to believe that a spiritually vital community, like healthy community, a community in which God is at work, is a community in which there is a lot of 
activity. But what Paul is reminding them of, that there is only one source of God's spiritual life, and that is from him himself, and it comes by faith. We like to believe that vitality, I think we've become more and more spiritual over the last decade and a half as as a people. And one of the things that you probably often hear is that spirituality is about looking into yourself. It's about uh, um, living well in harmony. It's about spiritual vitality. It's about meditation and peace and order and, you know, look into yourself, find yourself, and we can go on through all the different kind of terms that we could use. We like to think that spiritual vitality is internally generated. That if we look to ourselves in some way, we can generate a healthy spiritual life. What this passage teaches us is that spiritual vitality is externally generated. That it does not come from within, it comes from without. It doesn't come from our own sense of trying to attain it. It flows from Christ himself. That spiritual spiritual vitality flows from the blood that bled from Jesus. It flows from the spirit that was poured out on Pentecost. It flows out of Christ's resurrection life. It flows externally from Christ himself to us by faith. By faith. Like my wife wants me, to just believe when she says that she loves me. What happens is a community becomes alive when they begin to believe the gospel message. They begin to come alive when we begin to believe the gospel message, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, that his spirit was poured out and that he did all the work so that when we just believe, his life comes to us. I have gone through my own dry periods, um, many in, in my years of faith. And every time I have, I always think that the solution is I need to read the Bible more. I need to set my alarm clock a little bit earlier. I need to make sure my quiet times are good. I need to put the right messages on the podcast. These are my temptations that I fall into. I'm like, yo, you know, I haven't gone to enough church meetings or maybe I need to fast. I haven't fasted. You know, if I fast, it's like everything will be set right. Or um, maybe I've become a little bit too materialistic. And, uh, and what I try and often trying to get out of my own spiritual slumps is I just add a bunch of activities that just never seem to work. There's uh, that song that probably some of us, if you grew up in church, would have sung, and it's a song about turn your eyes onto Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. Um, And the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
And that song has been so true to me in so many moments in my life that as I've gone through my darkest, my, in the words of uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, as I've walked through my own spiritual depression, the thing that helps me out of those moments is turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That our spiritual vitality does not flow from our activity. It does not come from within. It is not internally generated. A spiritually healthy life is a life that is fixed on Christ. Sometimes what happens is as we go through dark times, we, try and we fill those voids with many things. It could be things like shopping. It could be things like exercise and sport. It could be many things that we hope are going to fill the need that we have inside because we've lost sight of grace. It is by faith, trusting that Jesus is sufficient, trusting that God is enough, trusting that he genuinely loves us in our darkest times. It is by faith that we believe we are forgiven when we sin. It is by faith that we believe God's spirit is at work amongst us. It is by faith that we live a spiritually healthy life. And just as I close, you know, I don't wanna be insensitive here because I know often uh, when someone preaches, uh, you can just say, just have faith. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting or a prayer meeting where someone's prayed for you and maybe you've been sick and you haven't got well and they're like, just have faith. And you're like, what does that mean? I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying. Like, or, you know, like, why don't you have a job? Well, just have faith. You know, it can be like the cheesy Christian answer to everything. You're like, I'm going through a hard time. I'm feeling anxious. Well, what's your problem? Just have faith. And you're like, cool, thanks. Like, where do I get that from? Do you have some? in your back pocket, can you give it to me? Like, and, and I don't wanna be insensitive to the fact that I know probably a good handful of us are struggling, going through difficult times, maybe trusting God for some things that just don't seem to be coming to pass. Maybe for some of us, we feel like we're in the worst place spiritually than we've been in our lives. Maybe for some of us, we're wondering whether we even believe this gospel message anymore. And I don't wanna come across like I'm saying, just have faith. What I think this passage is reminding us is reminding us that we're not just called to just have faith. We're called to reset our eyes. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, one of, one of the central gospel verses, it says, for we are saved by grace through faith. And that faith 
is not even our own. It is the gift of God. That the faith that we have to believe in Christ is not even internally generated. It is given by God himself. And so in moments like these, in our darkest moments, we're not called to try and manufacture a faith that we don't have. We're only called to remember Jesus, the source from where the faith comes. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell on you, one translation says? Who has put a veil over your eyes? Who has blocked your vision from Christ? Who has distracted you? Who has made you look to other things other than Jesus? As we go through difficult times, as we seek spiritual vitality, as we seek spiritual life, the source is not more activity or the source is not trying to hype ourselves up into some um, bit of faith that we try and manufacture internally. It is to look upon Christ. You foolish Galatians, who has put a veil over your eyes? Who has put a cloud in front of you that is stopping you from remembering Christ and him crucified? Maybe you're here today and uh, maybe you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're trying to understand all of this. Maybe you're trying to uh, decide what you think of Christianity. And Christianity at its essence is a message about a man who was born of a virgin, who lived the perfect life, who died an excruciating death at the hands of men on a cross, and three days later rose again. That there were 500 witnesses that witnessed it, that there were people who wrote about it, that history tells us of Jesus died on a cross and rose again. And that for 2,000 years, people have believed and will continue to believe that because of that event, my sins are forgiven. I have new life by trusting in Jesus and what he's done. Can we stand and I'll pray. Moments of these are, we don't want to be insensitive to, to where anyone's at, but I, I do want to pray for you and, and pray for, for those of us who maybe are asking God, who feel like we need a, a renewed sense of spiritual vitality, we need a renewed sense of God's hand or or work in our lives. Um, I, I want to pray for you this evening. Fifteen years ago, 
I was in ministry, I was in a hole, I was stuck, I was struggling with things of legalism. And this passage came alive to me. It set me free as I realized God's hand, God's spirit, God's work, God's favor is on me, not because of anything that I do, but because of Christ. And I was reminded that to turn my eyes on Jesus, to look full in His wonderful face. And so Lord, I pray for every single person here, for those who are maybe wanting to look to You, who need a renewed sense of spiritual life in their lives. Maybe some who have come here, who have never really given their lives to You, but need Your touch, Your hand. I pray, Lord, that tonight you would help us by your grace to fix our eyes on Jesus, to remember your death and resurrection and to receive faith and life and grace and peace and forgiveness from you. I pray, Lord, that you would come by your Spirit. Even as it says, did you give us your Spirit work miracles amongst us? Were you active in the midst of us by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And I pray, Lord, that you would be at work amongst us, that your Holy Spirit would be present amongst us, that you would be present right now, that by your Holy Spirit, you would breathe on us. For those of us who are looking to you even now, just trusting for you to come and move in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you would breathe upon us the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. It will give us a sense of, of life, of joy, of peace. Won't you move amongst us, Lord? Not because we've earned it, not because we pray better than anyone else, not because we've done more, but because you have done the work, Jesus. And we trust in you. In Jesus' name.